Finn Lathan's new book is called Fat, Crazy, and Tired. It came out this week. It is available wherever you get your books. He's one of our favorites. It's coming up later in this podcast. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. New Rewatchables podcast went up on Monday night. Mallory, Rubin, and I did A League of Their Own, one of the best sports movies the last 35 years. Go check that one out. I'm going to be on the Prestige TV podcast at least once this week as well. Stay tuned for that. I think I'm going to do Winning Time on Wednesday. We'll see. There's also a new kind of spiritual sequel to The Wire that's out on HBO Max. We own the city. We own this city. We own the city. One of those two titles. It's good. My guy Bernthal's in it. Might talk about that as well. See if we can rope Priscilla into uh, some duty on that one. Don't forget on FanDuel Sportsbook, every Wednesday I put up a same game parlay. I'm going to be messing around with one of the two games on Wednesday night, probably Nuggets Warriors. I have some Nuggets Warriors thoughts. Speaking of thoughts, our old friend Bob Volgaris is coming on right after the late Tuesday night games. We had a doozy Minnesota-Memphis, but just in general, we're talking hoops, round one, things that he saw, one of our favorite guests. So he's coming on, and then Van Lathan, who has a new book that's coming out. It's called Fat, Crazy, and Tired. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. We're gonna talk about Twitter and Elon Musk. Stay tuned for that. This is a good one. It's all next. Kind of feel like we have to bring in Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam! All right, we're taping this 9.45 Pacific time. Just watched the third game of the night, Pelican Suns. Our friend Bob Volgaris is here. He said, I asked him if he wanted to do day or night. He's like, I'm a nighttime guy. I kind of peek at night after these games. I was texting you. I had the Pelicans plus six and a half. So, of course, they missed, I think, probably 10 straight eight-foot shots. And then all of a sudden, Suns were covering. Mikhail Bridges, the hero tonight, 47 minutes. Wow. 31 points, 12 for 17, 4 for 4 from 3, and shut down basically whoever he got switched onto just didn't score in the game. It was one of the best two-way performances. Um, 
you you have a little history with Bridges. <laughs> so start once upon a time when you were working with the Mavs, you thought you had a chance to get him when his stock was low. I don't know that it was his stock was low. It was the start of the season, R- Luca's rookie year. And I don't know if people remember what Phoenix didn't have any point guards back then. <clears throat> mm. It was before they changed their general manager. Uh, and I think there's, you know, anytime you have a general manager whose like job is kind of teetering on the brink, those are probably the guys you want to go after because yeah. they're willing to do some, you know, make some big moves to kind of keep their job. Uh, and yeah, and I, I was rebuked because I was told that uh, there was a high probability in someone's opinion <clears throat> that uh, Dennis Smith Jr. might turn into Chauncey Billups. Right. And that wasn't going to happen on his watch. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know what sport this guy's watching where he thinks Dennis Smith Jr. has anything in his game that resembles Chauncey Billups. But hey, everyone... Everyone takes a whiff every now and then, and that was definitely a whiff. But yeah, it goes. It goes to show you how tenuous this team building thing is, because you have these moments when the assets are a little down for whatever reason, or sometimes way too high. And every once in a while, you can just grab somebody. Like I, the Celtics will deny this, but I feel like Marcus Smart probably could have been had there for about six months if you had like a pretty juicy offer. Like they weren't going to trade him for nothing, but. For sure. Now he's turned into an elite point guard, and thank God it could have happened. He could have gone to that. Could have been a he's not. I'm not going to watch him turn into Chauncey Billups on my watch. <laughs> Trading smart and watching him do what he's been doing the last four months, I would be having a heart attack. Yeah, you'd be upset. Although I do think that um, you know he won Defensive Player of the Year. I know I talked about this a little bit, and I'm not sure how much interest you have in talking about it. But I, I don't know. Like, is he the, their best defensive player? I thought he was their most important one this year, but in the net series, Tatum was their most important yeah. defensive player because what like he, he did to Duran, I didn't know was possible. Yeah. I think like a big part of it is, is he's like the guy who makes a lot of the hustle plays. He's obviously a very good defender, like very good yeah. defender. But I don't know, like if I had a guy that I need to shut down, there's like, I was just looking at all the numbers on, on who he's guarded counterpart wise, you know, Tatum and Brown, had usually done one of those two has usually done a better job against the other player than he has. So he's like never, never the number one option defensively on his team. And so to give but but that being said, there's lots of other stuff that can show up like, you know, being the quarterback of the defense and all this other stuff that people talk about. I'm sure it's all very valid. He's, he's a very good defensive player. I just don't know that his shot contest defense is as impactful as Tatum's is. Yeah. He has a knack for momentum turning Charges, charges like like yeah, yeah thr- grabbing the ball and whipping it off somebody's leg and flipping possession yeah. and all these plays that um he has like very dramatic defensive plays. Yeah, I call those are, spotlight plays because the, the, yeah. the spotlight's on you when it happens, the whistle blows and there's a change of possession, so it looks you know it looks more impactful. Um, but they have a, an embarrassment of of defensive players on that team. Like even like going all the way down the list of like Grant Williams guarded Durant really, really well. Brown guards really, really well. Then you have Williams and the then you have then you have all these other guys. Horford. You know, Horford. Like look at the guys they're gonna get to throw at Giannis. There's no yeah. team that has as many guys that you could throw at Giannis as they do. Horford's gonna guard Giannis. Brad's gonna guard both 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 these other fours and fives are gonna guard him. Tatum will probably guard him a little bit. Brown will probably take a turn on him. Um, I think the part that people missed with the Celts, we talked about it some on Sunday is just 
Now, all these years when they were looking for a point guard and then finally, begrudgingly, Smart goes in there and it just completely unlocked them defensively. The moment he embraced it and they realized that they could get away with playing him like basically 35, 36 minutes a game there, move Brown to the two, which I don't, I don't know if he was like doing backflips about basically being the shooting guard, but that's what he is in this team. Those three guys, their ability to just switch on everything. It's, I don't think anybody has close to that kind of asset. There's nobody to hunt. On the no, Celtics. they don't have anyone to hunt at any, at any time. And on top of that, they play like they play, you know, they play a really, really unique style. They switch everything. And then they basically <clears throat> almost zone up behind the ball. So it's yeah. like the guy at the point of attack is guarding. Um, I thought that, you know, I, I look at offensively, I look at smart. I, I was never really a huge fan of him being like your lead ball handler, but he's done a very good job. He's Agreed. improved. He's, he's breaking down the defense. He's getting in the paint. They're, they're not struggling at all. And so, yeah, they're, that, that's definitely a team to, to kind of keep your eye on, obviously, at this point. I mean, they just upset the, the preseason favorites, which is probably the most absurd thing I'd ever seen, that team being the preseason favorite to win. The <laughs> they were still, they had the best odds in March. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Let's, talk, yeah. let's talk the ones tonight. So just quickly on the Suns. They had to, even though that game, deceiving, I think, 15-point final, they had to put in a lot of work on their dudes. Paul played 39 minutes and was getting hounded to the point that they were having other people bring the ball up sometimes. Bridges with the 47 minutes. I do think this could go seven this series. I think Phoenix will end up winning. I've been impressed by New Orleans. The McCollum had another bad one today, and he's been bad the last two games. And it just seems like New Orleans is destined to be kind of the frisky underdog that's going to take you as far as, you know, there'll be like emotional handshakes and hugs at the end of the series. <laughs> you never yeah. felt like they had a chance to win this series, did you? No, I mean, look, they're the, Phoenix had the best record in the NBA by a huge margin. With even Booker, with the book, even with yeah, yeah, even with the Booker injury, though, you would, yeah, I didn't, I mean, they just came into it. First of all, the first game was a complete punt for them. They weren't going to win game one. They had to play, they had to win two games on the road to come in and play this game. Um, did they have to play two games in the road? Were they the 10 seed? Or were they the 9 seed? I guess they the 9 yeah, seed. Yeah, they played two two in three days. Did they play, but did they play on the road versus San Antonio? I can't remember if they did. No, they had, uh, yeah, they did. Okay, well, anyways, yeah. So that was kind of a scheduling loss. Um, I don't know. They could win game six. Look, like these games are so tenuous. Like you look at <clears throat> the home court seems to be back again with in terms of the number of free throws that the home team is getting. That seems to be back again. It kind of went away for a minute. Mm. Playoffs, that's back. Um, there's a lot of foul calls, especially from teams that are trailing in series, seem to be getting the benefit of the whistle. There's been some 40 free throw games. Um, yeah, they could it could go seven. I don't see them winning. I just don't see them having what it takes to to beat like I mean, Ingram's gotta go off, McCollum's gotta go off, and then they really don't have anybody else who can score on that team aside from Valentinus on putbacks. That's where they've been getting their they've been doing really well on the offensive glass. It's been huge for them. I think they're their number one rebounding team in the playoffs in terms of offensively. And that's been big. But yeah, Well, you know, two two things that are good signs for them, if you're gonna say, can this series go seven? They were five for twenty-five from three today, and we're still in this game near the end. The free throws, second, yeah, they're bad. The free throws, two games in a row, they just shot way more free throws in Phoenix, thirty-five to twenty, and then they out rebounded them again. So I like when teams are really plus in free throw attempts and rebounds. It's usually a decent sign you're going to be hanging around. And for then sure. if they get McCollum going, who knows? And I don't know if Bridges is going to be going twelve for seventeen in forty-seven minutes again. So I think they could win game six. I, I, if I had to bet, 
and I lost tonight. But if <laughs> I had to bet, I depending on that line, if, if the Pelicans are like plus three, something like that, I would be enticed. I mean, they were plus six tonight, weren't they? Yeah, plus six and a half. So yeah, maybe plus two, two and a half, plus three, maybe. I'm not sure. It just really depends on how much they're valuing home court this year. How do you value Bridges? I was, every month I make my best players in the league right now list because I'm always interested to see how it changes month to month. And the reason I did it today was I was interested to see where, where, and I was really trying not to be a homer, but <laughs> I wanted to see how high I could have Tatum on the list. How high do you think I, I had him? Have a, how, are you asking me how high I think you had Tatum? Yeah, how high do you think I had Tatum on my list? Like three? Yeah, I had him four. Yeah. That's I probably thought, not far off, by the way. I mean, he's... I had Giannis, Jokic, and B Tatum. I think Tatum has to be higher than Durant coming off that series. I'm sorry. I thought he outplayed him. It'd be weird to have Durant over him. I know Durant's got the thing, but 15 years in the league, it's going to be 16 years next year. Sure. Tatum's arrows pointing up. I thought yesterday, if they didn't foul him out, little Scott Fosteritis. Um, <laughs> I thought yesterday he was poised to really go on a major fourth quarter run and they just wouldn't happen. But my yeah. point with the, with the list though is I was surprised how high I had bridges because I'm in the mode now. I'm just thinking like winning players, winning players, winning players. How, how, uh, you know, is I value Mikhail Bridges more than, I don't know, uh, Darius Garland. You know, if I'm just yeah. thinking about how can I, how yeah, can I win, course. I'm taking him. So yeah. I had him basically in the group, like with Paul George and Ingram and Drew Holiday and people like that. I, I think he's at least a forward version of Drew Holiday from a value standpoint, right? Yeah, I mean, he's probably, yeah, he's very good. I mean, he's, his thing is he's, he's, he's turned into like a very efficient offensive player. Like he doesn't take a lot of shots, yep. but he cuts very, very well off the ball. He understands the game. He flashes when, when like he had a play here where Aiton got the ball after Paul was doubled and he flashed and got a layup. A lot of players would just stand in the corner and hope their big man finds him there. Yeah, he's good. I don't know. I, 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 in terms of would I rather have him or Drew Holiday? I'm saying he's like the forward version of that. He's, I know you love Drew. You're not taking a lot of people over Drew Holiday. Well, I mean, I just think like the thing you talked about with Tatum, the arrow going up in the air, like I think he's probably better than Drew Holiday is right now. It's not to say that's not to say he was better than Drew Holiday was at his peak, but Drew Holiday's an older player now. He's got a lot of lot lot you know, he's not a lot, doesn't have everything left in the tank. So yeah, it's it's pretty close. I mean, he's 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 definitely a better he's better at getting a shot off than than Holiday is in terms of like shooting over shooting over that that's the thing that's really underrated in the playoffs is okay, can you hit threes? Great. A lot everyone everyone can hit threes when they're not being guarded, but how can you hit contested threes? How can you shoot over someone? That's yeah. why someone like Tatum is very valuable because Tatum, the defense is almost independent when he's shooting. Um, there's really no impact because he gets up so high in his release point. Bridges is similar to that too. He's got a very quick release point. You know, it's we were mentioning Tatum and Bridges and Philly in back to back years. Well, they they could have had traded down for Tatum. They yeah. they trade or they traded up to take faults when they just could have stayed at three and maybe Tatum falls there, or trade up and just take Tatum at one, and then they did draft Bridges in the next year and they, but that's such trading a trading back. That's such a like I'm definitely someone who's who's lower on point guards than the average person is just because I feel like a new point guard, a new great like you mentioned Garland. He's not really a point guard, but he kind of is. A, I guess he's a point guard. He like plays a two. There's just so many of these young. First of all, just like from a demographic standpoint, there's more players yeah. six. 
humans six six and under. So having a point guard, there's new like the Jones brothers. They for a while they were popping out a new Jones brother like every every two or three years. Like so, like the idea that you would be like, oh, Markel Falks versus this wing guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that in general, you're if you if, whenever in doubt, like if you have a choice between Dennis Smith Jr. and Mikael Bridges, you should probably go with Mikael Bridges, regardless of if it's like the first week of the season he hasn't played yet in the NBA. That was my uh, argument for Mobley over Cade last year. I just think it's yeah. much harder to find Mobley. As, and yeah. it was really no shade on Cade. It's just, there's so many good point guards and there's I so think, few Mobleys. Yeah, I think Cunningham benefited from Luca because everyone started making the Luca comps, you know, because Luca is a point guard, but he's like, you know, he's a point guard in a power forwards body. So yeah. he's, he's like the exception to that because he's a, you know, I, I look at like what you want are dominant ball handling wings. And that's really what Luca is. But like undersized point guards, even like someone like Trey Young, who's so good offensively is still, you know, it, it becomes an issue in the playoffs. You can hunt those guys. You can, you can yeah. wear them out and you can make their, their, their defensive uh, effort required translate to how good they are on offense. So but yeah, I, I, the Tatum, the Tatum situation with faults that, I mean, it's hard to draft these guys, obviously, but that, that was a pretty egregious win. It's pretty bad. You were working yeah. for the Mavs when, Luca falls to three. Still one of the all-time miracles in draft history that wasn't even two teams passing. It was three. You were able to trade up sure. to get him at three. And then you get Brunson at 33. Now, this was a really unusually deep draft where you just look in the second round. Javon Carter's 32. Brunson's 33. Devontae Graham's 34. Mitchell Robinson, 36. Trent's 37. Vanderbilt is 41. Bruce That's Brown, amazing. 42. Yeah. Yeah. And DeAnthony Melton was 46. But so I, I don't know what, and Shake Melton was all the way down there at 54. I don't know what's yeah. happened in that second round, but. Super deep. I remember yeah, the, guys Brunson. Like Brunson, the guys who like Brunson, I didn't have anything to do with that. I didn't have any opinion on that. I wasn't involved in that. The guys who like Brunson did a great job there. You know. I, I thought he fell too far. And I try not to overvalue college basketball, but I love point guards who just run the show. And he was so rare in the run the show standpoint that he just kind of had it. Some people just know how to run a team. I didn't see this score guy that he's turned into where he was always almost like a mismatch. Yeah, he was always a very, I mean, his, his progression was not very good on defense, but works hard. Offense could get his shot off in the mid range, but couldn't really get to the rim. That's, and then, but not a good passer kind of played with blinders on. Now his passing is improved. His footwork is obviously probably top one percent in the league in terms of footwork and he's finishing at the rim at a from a point guard level he's finishing is for a guy who doesn't ever dunk the ball like he's not like morant who goes up and dunks the ball he's finishing at the rim at a ridiculous level and it's just because he's so crafty he's he's improved a ton he's obviously played very very well especially if you compare him to last year like people forget last year in the playoffs he was like a minus 55 in a seven game series right and 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 the clippers went to you know they always made sure they guarded him with size with length. And that is something that I think he's improved that for sure because he's become more physical. But and you, Utah doesn't have those guys. Utah does not have those guys. And the guys they're putting on him are like the bottom decision. Like literally you could say, okay, who's the worst guy we can have to guard him? Okay, let's do that. Like let's, let's put Royce O'Neal who has no foot speed, who can't stay with this guy. Like, and who isn't, he doesn't have the wingspan to really like hamper him physically. Like it's just not a good matchup. And then, and then they'll have like odd possessions where 
where in the start of the series where Clarkson was on him and then Mitchell, Mitchell's like the best player for Dallas is whoever Donovan Mitchell's guarding the series. I think he's giving up like 1.6 points per possession or something absurd like that on, on the guys he's, he's guarding. It's, it's, it's not getting talked about enough how bad he's been on defense. We've talked about it a couple times on the pod, just like I, it's really starting to change my opinion of him in the hierarchy. Cause I always had him in some sort of cluster with Tatum and Booker and, yeah, he's not Jamal Murray and guys like that, and I just don't think he's there anymore. I think he's he, almost he, edging more toward the CJ McCollum, Darius Garland kind of really good scoring guard, and that's about it, guy. Yeah, he doesn't pass the ball particularly well. He doesn't, you know, he does. He can't, doesn't have like the lob in his. Despite that lob game winner that they hit the other day, he doesn't really have the lob pass in his in his arsenal. Um, I don't think he's. Yeah, I don't think he's particularly adept at. I mean, a lot of it is like they're missing my guy who I who I talked about last time we did a pod, right? <laughs> Ingles, they're missing that guy, right? Remember oh, yeah. <laughs> he was injured. But that, that like they're missing that type of guy who can actually run, pick and roll and get people going because they really, if you look at Conley's kind of washed, I hate to be, but he's washed. Yeah. Uh, Clarkson's a shoot first guy. And then they have Mitchell. That's it. Who do they have? Oh. Even, your, even your dog's out on him. My my dog is out on him, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that it's it's been an interesting series from an from an adjustment standpoint. Like I've been saying, when will they, when will they go away from Conley? Um, at, at what point will they figure out that Conley's not the guy? I think it's going to be this game. You think so? I think, yeah. I, I, what other choice do they have? He's he's just a losing player in this series. Unfortunately, he seems like match. he's hurt. I don't. I know he's a combination of old and a little hampered by an injury which is not where you want to be in this series with all the Dallas guards. Sure. And you could, I mean, if you look at it, they have three tiny, tiny players that they have to play big minutes. So if you're going to like the Nets, in, what's that? It's like the Nets. Yeah. We're in the exactly. same situation. They always said to have at least two small guys out there. For sure. And so if you're going to have to start Mitchell and then start Conley, like who, where are you hiding Conley? Where are you hiding Mitchell? Like you can put one on Bullock and one on Dorian Finney-Smith. Then what? Then, then who's guarding Luca? Okay, then you're going to put Bogdanovich is going to be your offensive guy, but also guard Luca. And then who do you put on Brunson now? Who does that leave on Brunson? It's just such a tough, it's such a tough spot with the way they. So, like in my opinion, they should just start Mitchell. Start. I, I would probably go away from O'Neal if I had to, and I would, I would at least start House over O'Neal. And if I couldn't do that, then I would start O'Neal or House over Conley. But that's me. House has actually been their best defensive player by a by a pretty decent margin in the series. If I was Mitchell, I'd be embarrassed by this, that you're just getting attacked relentlessly in a playoff series and you're supposed to be a franchise guy and the Knicks fans are like, oh, if, if we can only get Donovan Mitchell, it's like, good luck. You yeah. went through this 20 years ago with the Marbury trade. Yeah, he's you're, being... You know, I mean, what we're seeing, we're you could be reliving the Marbury trade with that. Yeah, I I, I think it's tough. I think it's very tough. I think, I think on a different team with different wing players, I think it would be less noticeable. But on this... Yeah. On this particular team, it's 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 really noticeable. Let's uh, we'll take a break. I want to talk about that series, and then we we got to talk about Minnesota Memphis, the funniest series of uh, of Red One. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while I'm on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors, 
to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. Putting a bow on the uh, Dallas-Utah thing. So Dallas somehow survives without Luka, which is just a terrible sign if you're Utah. And then Utah, in a 2-2 series, gets trucked in game five, which is... Two things are always unusual in a game five. A team getting trucked when it's 2-2 and a team that was up 3-0 that blows the game four and then comes back home and just completely rolls over like Philly did. You don't see that one often either. And we'll talk about that series in a second, but the the Utah's lack of spirit in that game. I think they missed a lot of open shots. So like if you look at their shot luck, not to belabor it but it was it was i think they missed like they they left like 29 points in ev mm. in that game just in terms so you're of, bu- you're buying utah stock no i'm not because i think like a lot of them were it wouldn't matter because they, they just have no they couldn't stop them. anything yeah, yeah they have no and it's not like it's so they lost a lot offensively but it's not like dallas shot lights out that game either dallas also shot below their expected value from three so i, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens i i do know that in game and in game four when luca was back them being a six-point favorite to me was absurd. The game, even in Dallas, the spread was absurd. I, I have no idea what they're going to have the spread for this game. I guess I could look and see, but... It's plus, uh, it's da- Dallas minus three. Dallas is minus three in, in Utah? Are you sure? I am positive. It's on, that's, that's what's on FanDuel. That's the, that's the biggest... That's the biggest... Um, well, it's their, it's their job to entice people to bet both sides, right? So... That's such a huge difference. It's like a nine point swing from the from the last time they played. That seems uh, you like you, you not like doubting you. I know you're the I know you're dialed in with Fanduel. That's an early line though. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't, it's early line. It could change by tomorrow. That's a lot. I mean, Milwaukee's favored by twelve. That's pretty. That's pretty intense. Toronto but. is Toronto is plus one and a half at home, and that one, I think they're going to potentially win on Thursday because that would, that would break the internet. If 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 they can come back from a three zero deficit, that would break the internet. That would just be like injured Embiid. Harden just seems like he's aging in dog years during the series. <laughs> um, and Toronto has this eye of the tiger. We, we can do this. You could see it. They felt they were very alpha in that game. And I think as much as I like Fred Van Vliet, it does seem like the fact that he wasn't out there kind of unlocked this longer, more athletic lineup that is just such a problem for Harden. Well, I don't think Van Vliet is healthy. And their right. on-off numbers with Van Vliet, their, their impact numbers with him this so far in the playoffs, I, I, I can 
can double check what it was, but I think it was like, I think they were giving up some absurd number with him on um, the series. On I defense. thought it was like, and, one, and was like, it like 129? Something yeah, like 1.9 and him guarding the primary guy is really bad also. So there could be something, I mean, these you can always take these numbers with a grain of salt, but there could be something there. And then, yeah, like you said, just having size everywhere is pretty big. I I, I do think like people need to And injured and bead. Injured and bead. I don't know what, like the only time I've ever thought a player was point shaving in a playoff game in my life <laughs> was James Harden game six, was it? Or game five, game six. Was it game six versus the Spurs? Against San Antonio. Yeah, you didn't actually think he was point shaving, but he was so bad. You were like, what's going on? What are no, the I thought he was or- point shaving. <laughs> I was like, if ever there was a... I, I mean, I didn't really think he was point shaving. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But I was like, this is either he got a concussion the previous day. I thought he got concussed during yeah. the game. Yeah. Well, they. I've heard that he did not get concussed and I'm, I'm sure he was not point shaving, just to be perfectly clear. I'm sure that was yeah. not the case. But the only time I was ever watching a game being like, what is it was like the scene from Blue Chips, you know, where the guy's like looking up at the score all Tony. the time. Yeah, Tony, throw Tony. <laughs> but it was pretty. It was pretty. No rude. man, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. No man, <laughs> not him. Rude. But I, I mean, what is he? What is what is going on this series? Like Embiid passively aggressively talking about him in the pressers. Yeah. It's not my job to tell him to shoot more. That's the coach's job. Whereas, like, if you if you go back to the very beginning, the honeymoon when you first got there, I've never gotten this many passes in my life. This is the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. Yeah, because you're playing like, Orlando. <laughs> now it's like, hey, yo, well, why doesn't the coach tell him to shoot more? It's not my job. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. It does look like it does look like a couple of things. It looks like he has lost a step. Like that's putting it nicely. He does not have his quick first step. He was always big on his deceleration, not his quick first step. But he's not he's not finishing or attempting to shoot at the rim at all. Well, or when he when he attempts it, his I guess his strategy is just to lurch into the guy using the, using yeah. the ball as a weapon. Yes, and <laughs> and the hopes they got a whistle, and that doesn't seem to be working as nearly as well. I don't know. I've always been a huge Harden guy. Like I've I've always I love I loved them since he was like the sixth man on Oklahoma City, and I couldn't understand why they weren't playing him more. Um, I remember we were talking about that back then. Yeah, because he, he he was like basically Ginobili, a rich man's Ginobili coming off the bench. A rich man's Ginobili or a poor man's Ginobili? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm saying a rich, rich man. man. He was coming yeah, in probably. like 20 Ginobili points a was, game. Ginobili, Ginobili was really good. I'm, I'm with you. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. good. But towards the end, he definitely had a little bit. But yeah, no, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, they... they first, I mean, first two games couldn't have looked any more dominant. Game three, they barely won. Yeah, I remember game three, the Embiid, whatever, Nurse. Game three, they shouldn't have won. If if Van Vliet makes like one shot in the last three minutes, I think Toronto wins. He just couldn't hit a shot. And then it's it's looked pretty dominant since then in terms of just like the part that's really surprising me is how much they're lining up and driving Embiid, which you don't see very often. They're not afraid of them at all. Barnes Mm -hmm. is obviously uh, hugely important for them. I think that much is pretty clear. And then guys like Boucher has been good. A chew yeah. been good. They got seven guys that can play. And then on the flip side, Tybalt's just a section eight. I don't know what happened mm-hmm. to him. I think this whole vaccination thing, now he's like basically unplayable. And they were kind of un- short yeah. on wings anyway. Seems unplayable. Um, for sure. I think like yeah, I don't know. Like Green Green played thirty nine minutes in the last game, which is I think they were hoping he'd play like twenty. He's got to play so, more in the next yeah. game because there's there's not the, you know there's not the tie minutes that they're going to be throwing in there. Yeah, right. it'll be it'll be uh, 
the one thing that surprised me the most is like where the Raps lived. They lived in transition the regular season and they lived uh, on the off, on the offensive glass. They led the league or second next to Memphis. Both, both of those things can be minimized in the playoff series. I think you're seeing a little bit of that with Memphis where they don't have that, those free points that they are, although they did get them tonight, but it's, you can game plan around making sure like you're going to catch teams sleeping on the offensive glass during the season, but you're not going to do it during the playoffs for an entire series. But they've, right. they, they've basically haven't really won the transition uh, battle too, too much versus Philadelphia. And they're not getting anything. They're not crashing at all. And yet they're still winning. It's really, well, they're not winning, but they're still, they won the last two games. Which is pretty well, shocking. if I, if before the season, we were playing Mad Libs and I was like, here, here's a list of 50 players. Here's a list of 50 coaches. Mix and match the two guys you think would be on the losing end of a 3-0 blown series <laughs> where they lose in seven. You're you like, all right, check Harden. Doc, yeah, check Harden. Harden. Oh, yeah. is this, are they going to potentially meet? Oh, no, they are. They're together. Oh, yeah. God. I Nick think the Philly fans, a, the Philly fans almost seem like, all right, if we get swept, then maybe we'll, or we lose, I guess we call it like a gentleman sweep, whatever you, or not a gentleman sweep. Maybe gentleman a, sweep is when you win 4-1, not when you a, lose. For, a first lady <laughs> sweep, I don't know. But <laughs> if they, if they get the, uh, the belated sweep, maybe they don't have to pay Harden. I mean, maybe that's the impetus to be like, okay, cool. You're, here's not $250 million. But what, 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 what is it? Is it just he's not in shape? Is he? I mean, I don't. I don't get what's happened to him. Is it injuries? Well, you were you were betting on basketball when Iverson just went off a cliff, right? Late two thousands when he went but from he, he's twenty seven a game for Denver to he was out of the league in eighteen months. Yeah, I don't know. You wouldn't think. I mean, you wouldn't think his game would be this impacted so quickly, but it it definitely looks like he's fallen off. Well, he's he's has a, secretly a lot of minutes and a lot of games the last eight nine years. Sure, you know he was like. He basically only missed like two, three, four games a year. Big minutes, big workload. Part of it is also though people were talking about like, okay, he's never really played with anyone, um, a big that wasn't like a rim running, uh, where 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 teams had to like, like usually you would just be happy to switch versus him. That was kind of the, and now it's like you don't really want to switch because it's MB. But this Raptors team doesn't really care if they switch. Yeah, there's no there's no vertical there's no like vertical run from Embiid usually. It's more of like Embiid usually has the ball at the top of the three-point line. There's not a lot of like rim dives and they're, they're, they don't have even have a backup guy for that. And so it's that's not his preferred style. And so it's that could be that as well. It could just be... I mean, it's it's obviously he's fallen. No, he's, he's his, his lost rim a numbers, step and a half. Yeah. Yes, that is, that is without a doubt true. Then it's a question of, okay, well, how big of an... Like it shouldn't be impacting him as much as it is perhaps, but it should be impacting him in some way. Well, at least he makes up for it with the stellar defense. Defense. He had one. He had one very good defensive possession last game. I was blown oh, away. Congratulations! No, it was really good though. It was like it wasn't yeah. like it was. You know, he's he's not as bad defensively. I think is as Kyrie. Definitely not as bad as Kyrie. Not as bad as some of these. Some of these little guards are just so bad at defense. Like at least him, you can't beat him in the post. You're not just gonna just throw the ball into him and just bully him. You know, he can handle himself in the post. He's actually a, a pretty good post defender. But yeah, he's not, you know, he's, he's, his thing is like just falling asleep off the ball and getting beat with back cuts and that sort of thing. I feel bad for Embiid. I think he's in the running for worst luck of any superstar last 12, 15 years. You would say Durant's in that conversation too, but of some of that was by Durant's own choosing. No, a combination of injury and just teammate luck. Like, you know, he's, they get Embiid, they get Ben, they get the number one pick. They take Ben Simmons over Jalen Brown and 
He ruined Ingram Ben and, Simmons, though. He bullied Ben Simmons into this right, mental he health bullied, problem. He bullied him by by <laughs> saying one innocent sentence about how he passed up he a dunk was somehow that Ben Simmons is in a spiral holding the Nets hostage. Yeah, that was crazy. Basically said, "Yeah, I'm not not going to play in Game Four. Nets are like, "What?" But Woj said he was going to play in Game Four. How'd that happen? And then, then it he's targeting. Happen. He's targeting. targeting. Yeah. Some I don't know, that whole situation, I, I know this. He was wearing sunglasses in the first half. And then pictures went viral on social media and the sunglasses came off in a second. Right. Half. It was just like, I don't, I don't know why you would wear sunglasses on the NBA. Like, unless you have like an eye problem or like, a, like you have a concussion situation where you can't see the bright lights. It's like you're going to really sit on the bench and wear sunglasses. Like what are you on the, at the beach or something? Like what is going on here? It's funny, like you don't want to be a distraction and yet you're a distraction for four straight weeks, right? Even the game yeah. I went to, game one, at halftime, they're shooting on the Celtic side of the bench. So it was in front of the Celtics bench. So you had to walk across just to be involved. And Simmons walks all the way across to where everybody's like shooting and, you know, keeping limber at halftime. And he kind of stands under the basket and he's rebounding for a little bit. Style? Jimmy Goldstein style? Even worse, because he was like <laughs> rebounding like a ball boy, but he's wearing his weird Ben Simmons outfit. And then he walks over to the to the sideline and he's just kind of, it's just kind of like, what's this guy doing? Like yeah. Robert Williams isn't doing this. You don't say like Robert Williams under the Celtics basket rebounded for people. Very he, strange. I, I don't think there's been a more difficult coaching situation, like a challenging, there's probably has been, but I mean, the Laker one in the winning time, that seemed pretty challenging, but uh, based yeah. on what we're watching. But the, um, I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> a little being, fictionalized. Yeah, you know, just a tad, yeah. yeah. Uh, but can you imagine being Steve Nash, you're coaching this team, your star player says, we don't really have a coach. Like I might be the coach one time, one day. KD might be the coach the other day. Like <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is a meritocracy. This is like, we're, we're, we're running like a, kind of a team that's just kind of like, yeah, we don't really need a coach. We just need someone who just kind of gets our vibe. And then you got that. Then you have the COVID stuff. Then they, then Harden basically says, I don't want to play for you guys anymore. So trade me. So you're dealing with that. Well, they have the, Sacra the Sacramento game that Harden was one of the most egregious mailing yeah. games we've had in the last few years. So Nash has yeah. to deal with that. Yeah. And then, and then they trade you, they trade him for a guy that is just a walking media circus. like. It's, you know, it's like, and that's not, let's, I'm trying to be, I'm sure the, the mental health thing is not a joke. Like, I, I don't know. It seems, it seems a little, I mean, there's obviously something there. I mean, the guy's wearing, you know, sunglasses on the bench. He's like chilling. He doesn't want to play. He can't play. He's, I don't, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Like, I don't, I mean, because he had that Instagram post where he had like the nostrils flaring. I don't know if you saw that. It was <laughs> right. dunk, him dunking. And then he had like the bull and the nose coming out with the smoke. And, and then they're like, oh, looks like he's ready to go. But then, you know, he hurt his back and I don't know. It's, it's weird that it's a back plus mental issue, but not just a back issue, but they throwing in. I think, I think all of that is just for him to win his case, to be perffectly honest. Is our, that, would, is that would be my bet as well. I think the interesting piece to me, especially reading between the lines, because Shams wrote about it today and Shams is, you know, in in. The, he's in the clutch universe. So he's, I thought he, they, Simmons in the piece today they kind of called them out for the fact that the Nets felt betrayed and it wasn't a very favorable Simmons piece, which I thought oh, was interesting. interesting. Yeah. I, I think from the Nets standpoint, this is what I've heard. Um, 
they were led to believe that he would be able to play this season, which was one of the reasons they made the trade. I don't think they wanted to throw away a Durant Kyrie season. Why would he especially... not be able to play? He hasn't played all year. He doesn't have any injury lingering issues. Right. It's like, why wouldn't I he think, be able to play? I think play? they were led to believe by the Simmons side yeah. that he's going to need a, you know, a couple weeks to ramp up, but you'll have him by, you know, second week of March, mid-March. Yeah. And you'll have a month to acclimate him and then he'll be in there. Then he had the herniated disc thing. Yeah. Now that's a serious injury, but they were making it seem like he might come back. And I, the whole thing, it just felt like they were sold. To, I think my personal take, I think they wanted to get him out of Philly. And I think they told the Nets whatever they needed to tell them to try to get the trade to happen. But do I think he's going to be in the Nets next year? No, I don't. You don't think he's going to be on the Nets next year? I don't. I think he'll be on the Nets next year. My, if you gave me... I don't know, minus 130 won't be on the Nets. Plus 110 will be on the Nets. I would take the minus 130. Really? I was going to give you three to one that he wasn't going to be on the Nets. <laughs> right, we'll, if, we'll you wanna, hey, if you want to lay minus 130, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> we'll negotiate later. They're going to get like 20 cents on the dollar if they trade him. So I just think they their best case scenario is, is that they can turn it around Otherwise, they're just going to get... The last thing they need is another soap opera on top they're, they're of gonna all the other opera. soap operas. Get as many soap operas as possible just so the soap operas distract each other. Like, you you're, you're, you're got a team with Kyrie. There's going to be a soap opera no matter Well, then what. what do you do with him? What would you do with him for a contract? I don't know. I can't deal with people who don't believe that the earth... Like, if you're a flat earther, I just... I can't. You're asking me You what can't I give a four-year max? I just can't deal with that. I just don't know how to communicate or feel like... I, I thought I had trouble dealing with like working in the Mavericks front office. I have a lot of trouble with someone who didn't believe that the earth was spherified. would not be able to handle that. So what do you do? I don't know. You definitely pay him. I don't know. I mean, doesn't look like a guy you want to pay. That's for sure. Especially because he's... But I mean, you should ask him because he said that he is also part of management. So... Uh, ask him what he wants to pay himself and maybe he'll tell you because he says that it's, you heard that, right? It's a, he said that. Well, he's I figured putting, he's going to negotiate with himself. That'll be the, this, yes. the natural idea of this is Kyrie. <laughs> Kyrie's like, I sat down with myself today and we've, we made some good progress. But it'll be, a dis it'll probably end up in a contract dispute. <laughs> right. <laughs> I stormed away from the table as I stared <laughs> at myself in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a strange, I mean, he's, 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 he's so gifted and it doesn't seem like he's a bad dude. Like really, it's just, he just has like these, this weird attitude about being a little bit clever, you know, like a little bit more, you know, I don't know. The whole thing is just very interesting to me that I get the flat earth thing is kind of a meme. I don't think he really believes the earth is, is, is yeah, flat. Who knows? Yeah, but, but why would you out. be wanting to talk about that? Like, how is that the thing you want? Like, there's lots of conspiracies, by the way, MK Ultra. Operation Northwoods, <laughs> like all of these like things that you could tire, you know, really tie yourself to that are actually, you know, pretty interesting conspiracies. Why don't why don't they show why don't they show the uh, Maxwell trial on yeah. TV and yet yeah, well, I can watch every minute of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial? How does that make sense? Well, that's because it's a state versus that's that's different. One's a civil case, yeah. another one's yeah. I still would watch it. I would have watched it too, it would have been great. Anyways, we spent way too much time on Kyrie Irving, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not positive we spent enough. <laughs> I I would be really interested to see who else would want him. There's this is this summer might set the record for people arguing about what somebody's value is between Westbrook, Kyrie, Harden. Is he a max guy anymore? Who's rushing to give him like a ton of money? Uh, ben Simmons, we talked about, and then you even go to guys like Donovan Mitchell, who I would have thought 
all right, three months ago even, I've been like, all right, RJ Barrett, how many picks? Like, what what, what would the Knicks have to offer to get in the game? Now I'm like, all right, would I give up RJ Barrett on a rookie deal for Donovan Mitchell? Like, I don't, from what I'm watching, I don't even know if I would do that. Yeah, I mean, he was ridiculously good for a couple of playoff runs. Let's be yeah, clear. Yeah, he was. Uh, but was it was it the type of good that also uplifted his the teammates? I don't know. That's another that's another question. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm not a huge RJ. I think RJ Barrett's an improving player. I don't you know should like I him. He's Canadian. Yeah, he's. You got to support him. You got to support Steve Nash. All these dudes. Let's take a break. I want to talk Memphis, uh, Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad for you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries. Maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp. A convenient and flexible way, since it's entirely online right now. It's easy to get started, too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bill Simmons. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right. So before we talk Memphis, Minnesota, just quickly on the Celtics Nets, I forgot to bring this up to you. One of your great bets of all time was the 2004 Pistons over the Lakers. That um, was not one of my great bets. I thought that was one of your great bets. I I, I, I like the Lakers. I, it was because uh, I, I pivoted. I pivoted after after game two when it was 1-1. I thought you made money from that. I did. I did. I did. But I okay. but it wasn't... It wasn't, it wasn't like I, before the series. Okay. Yeah. Before the series, I thought the Lakers were going to win. I was like taking, I was like the Kool-Aid. I was like, oh, the Lakers, how are they going to? And then I watched game one and I was just like, and then they won. Then the Lakers won the second game in overtime. So, and I was just like, yeah, they've got no chance to beat this team. That was, so that part of it was, but going in, I was an idiot. I thought the Lakers were going to win. My best, my best, I think my best gambling playoff series ever was Mavericks versus Warriors in 2007. That was like mm. 11 to one. Little seven figure win. The time was huge for me. It was a, it was a big <laughs> I would one. hope so. Yeah. I would hope it'd be huge for you now. Uh, seven figures? I don't know. I probably yeah, wouldn't get a, yeah, a bed for seven figures, Bill. It just, just depends on, just oh depends on what God. else I had planned for the day. Jesus. <laughs> but that Nets Celtics 
reminded me a little of that 04 Lakers Pistons where people were sleeping on the Celtics, what what was going on with the team as a whole. Yeah. The defense and just they were younger, they were hungrier, they're more athletic. It was just an incredible matchup for them. And to the bitter end, people were like, no, no, it's Durant and Kyrie. Even the last game, the Celtics were, I think, one and a half point underdogs in game four. Yeah. And we well, had that, this whole you, sample size. Yeah, you brought up a pretty good... I mean, that is a pretty good corollary between those two, for sure, when you frame it that way. I just didn't, I just didn't see this Nets team as being dominant. Like, you know, like the, the Shaq, Kobe, those, those teams won championships before. You know, it's, yeah. this was just like a couple guys decide they wanted to play together and never won a playoff series, really, with the exception of like one round the previous year. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the Celtics defense, I definitely, I definitely was, I mean, I mean, you were joking about it the first week of the season. They were switching, nobody knew, switching everything, but nobody knew what their responsibilities it's, were. They were getting beat. It's just They looked awful. They remember they had a players-only meeting, a closed-door meeting. One, we had seven players-only meetings. Is that right? Oh, yeah. man, at least. It was like five to seven. Yeah, it was the first two months where we were like, what's going on with this coach? Why does he keep challenging these guys? This isn't working. You can't do this in today's NBA. Guess what? It worked. The guy was, yeah. Udoka was a genius. Super he made genius. all these guys super tough. Yeah, no, that, that they have... Yeah, they have probably one of the better defenses I've seen in recent memory, just in terms of like, there's just nowhere to go. They, the only yeah. thing you can really do to, to beat that team really is try to get their big, whoever their big rebounding guy is, but they're just so, all their guys rebound so well. And then you just have to crash with abandon because you're not going to get by them. You're not going to, your, your, your initial offense isn't going to be great. And because they're switching everything, those are the like teams that, teams that, that, done a, that run a switch everything offense, defend the point of attack better. The initial shot better, but they, they defend the offensive rebound worse. Your offensive rebound rate goes up some percentage uh, when you when you when you switch everything. So you just really have to. But I mean, like, are you really going to win that many offensive rebound battles over Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown or Tatum? Like, we're not talking about a Trey Young or like a Jalen Brown. I'm mean, Jalen Brown's a pretty good rebounder, but you're not talking about most of these teams that do this. Yeah, it's really impressive. It is really impressive. Well, and then you think like Milwaukee without Middleton. And the Celtics, can't, whether he comes back middle of that series or whatever, it's not going to start till Sunday. But the Celtics have caught some breaks here. And this was a team that was not getting breaks for a couple they, of years. And it's between Harden, Simmons, and yeah, um, and even you know Middleton going down and Bead with his thumb. Now Jimmy Butler has some knee soreness. Lowry's already banged up. Everyone's injured. It's crazy. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember a playoffs where there's just been this many injuries to key guys. But yeah. like, you said they made they, they've been lucky. But I, I and I was kind of thinking, okay, do you really want to play Brooklyn? But they did. And I guess he went to the players and asked the players, and the players were he like, wanted them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, we want to play these guys. So good for them. I mean, super. Well, impressive. and then the key thing out of it is you get the game seven at home, which I still I've, I've said repeatedly on this podcast versus, I, versus the Bucks. Yeah, you get the, the round, round two, game seven at home, which I think matters. Um, yeah. Minnesota, yeah. Memphis. So I'm old enough to remember the uh, the Rick Adelman era Blazers. You're <laughs> old enough to remember the Rick Adelman Kings. There are these certain teams, these talented, super entertaining teams that just can't help themselves. They can't help doing the dumbest things at the worst possible times or having some brain fart, blowing a lead. It's entertaining to watch the whole time. Minnesota's really early in the journey. Like I tweeted about this today, about how they reminded me, you know, very early stages at Drexler Blazers. 
maybe unfair. Like that Blazers team made two finals. I think mm. the Timberwolves fans would probably, if you, if I told them right now, you're going to make the finals twice in the next six years, they'd be like, sign us up. We're in. Like we've barely had anything good happen. Um, our entire franchise existed. At the same time, um, that stuff, like Edwards, who I love, who comes through in the clutch with this huge three and this design play that was beautiful, comes out of the timeout. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to guard John ja Morant. Not on, only does yeah. he chase for a steal, he's behind him. Yeah, yeah. Not even close to the ball. And Ja, all of a sudden, Ja's a two on one with three seconds left. That was so bad. And Minnesota is two plays away from the series is over. Instead, they're down three two. Yeah. No, it's uh, interesting that they, 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 both those teams play like they're on bath salts. Like I've never seen anything. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that before <laughs> in my life. It's just like a frenetic. I used to play poker with these Chinese guys who would who would play really solid and then go do a bump of cocaine or something like that. And you'd just wait, <laughs> you'd just wait for them to go to the bathroom and come back because that's when you knew you were they were gonna play like out of their mind. These guys are out of their minds while they're playing. Like there's no like they're fast breaking in one on four, fast break, pull up, Delo shooting like one on three, one on four. It's it's fun to watch, but there's not like the Rick Adelman coach teams at least had like some structure. Yeah, true. And, and the Timberwolves have some structure defensively. They have they they do run a pretty good defensive scheme. They've done a really good job. And like if you're if you're trying to hide D'Lo and Carl Anthony Towns, two guys who are not good defenders, and you have a good defense, that's that's impressive. Um, but offensively, it's a little helter skelter. How about how about Towns? Like this didn't work the last time. Maybe I won't start talking shit up fifteen in the third quarter. Now I'm going to do it again. <laughs> this, He's very, this time it's going to work. He's very uh, lacking in, it seems like he's very la- much lacking in self-awareness, but I guess aren't we all? But it's very, very interesting to watch that team play. Like, and yeah, but, but that being said, like going into this play, the series, everyone's like, oh, what, what, how did you, what did you, like, first of all, I didn't think they were going to beat the Clippers. Yep. Let alone, you know, take this series the way they almost didn't. Yeah. And this series has been like, I mean, they, they could very well be up three games to two. I don't know what to make of this. Grizzlies team. They're up 3-2 in this series. They're a terrible three-point shooting team. Today, they're 7 for 28. They have a second best player who I voted third for defensive player of the year. And the only reason I didn't vote him higher is because he keeps fouling out. Well, guess what? He fouled out again. He's Mm. been awful. I think he has 26 fouls in five games. (laughs) If you look at... 5.2 fouls a game in a series, that's bad. Yeah, that's super bad. The interesting thing, though, is is I looked at his foul numbers uh, per minute when he's paired with Adams versus when he plays the five. It's pretty drastically different. It's it's almost like a forty percent increase in foul rate. So I think part of it is he's is is he's a walking foul. That's part of it. The other part of it is is he's tasked to play the five without Adams, who he's normally played. Um, they went away from Adams early in the series very very quickly, which is interesting. Like you're the you're the they the two seed. You're the two seed in the playoff series versus the you seven. dump your starting center in one game. And you just yeah, this like very this like reminds me a lot of the, of of the of the Mavericks going against going out of not playing Desanya Jop versus the We Believe Warriors. But that being said, they were getting barbecued with Adams out. I think they gave up like 1.4 points per possession or something like that with him on D. A lot of it was because he was slow in rotation and he couldn't he couldn't just couldn't contend with 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 those guys. But yeah, the Jackson thing is big. The foul trouble for Jackson thing is big. A lot of them are just like really dumb fouls too, like over the back, loose ball, you know, reaching in the backcourt, 
Well, wait, on the on the town scale though, he's not if towns is a ten on the town's dumb foul scale, Jackson's probably an eight. I mean Towns is still a ten. Towns is the master of the dumb foul. I would even call them the towns. I would call them a towns foul. No, I think Jackson's got to be higher. The guy's fouled out of like how many games is he fouling out? It's just like he's fouling out of almost every game. He's like in foul trouble every game. And that at the refs. (laughs) (laughs) Yelling at the refs. (laughs) Could be the refs. He could be. I thought I was allowed to jump on somebody's back. Yeah. So they have, you look at the Timberwolves, Russell, who's in my like 21st century pantheon of of guys I just don't enjoy watching. And he took just the god awful shot today in the final minute, that shot that went over the rim and hit the other side of the backboard. Like that yeah, was their was big, one. whatever. They have him. Towns, I'm just always going to be frustrated by. Edwards, who I absolutely love. But the love problem Edwards. with Edwards is he's so fearless and so confident that he literally talked his coach into guarding John Moran on the final play of the game and did such a bad job that he was five feet closer to his own basket with three <laughs> seconds left than he was to Jabberit. Maybe don't have him guard Jabberit. Oh man! By the way, if team. he would have made that steal and dunked it in, it would have. Could been... he have dunked that in three seconds? He might have been able to. He might have been able to. Yeah, Giannis could have for sure. Yeah, I'm not on the Russell. I'm not on the Russell train either. I'm not a D'Lo guy. I don't know that you can win a lot with a guy who is plays his style of basketball nowadays. I mean, it's... it was telling that Golden State was so um, bullish on immediately trading him. Yeah, that was interesting. It, I mean, it's like in them. baseball when Tampa Bay is like, hey, anybody have any interest in this pitcher? And you're like, uh-oh, why do you? Why are you trying to trade somebody? I don't want who you're trading me. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, who do you see coming out of this series? Because we have Memphis I mean, up 3-2. Yeah. Game six in Minnesota. Memphis has one good win. And if you're talking about 50-50 wins which I think is always a good way to look at a series. Like even if you look at Denver Golden State, game three was really close. You know, that was that was a tight game. Whereas like Milwaukee Chicago game three was an absolute shellacking. And if you thought Chicago was going to bounce back in game four, it was a little bit of a, of a pipe dream. Um, in this case, like I, I would think the Timberwolves would think we let two get away, we can win game six and we can beat them in a game seven. Um, I don't know what to make of this Memphis team anymore. It's tricky. I mean, Memphis won the game by two points and out-rebounded, out-rebound points them by 17. Wow. And, but they're also, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're also getting good quality looks offensively. I mean, Morant up until he just right before he like ended, whoever it was he dunked on, I'm not sure. Is it Vanderbilt? He dunked on? No, Beasley. I thought it was, yeah. Beasley, I think, yeah. Um, I was like, is John Morant healthy? Like what? You know, what is, what is going on here? Is it, is he, is he, cause he looked like he was not able, I mean, he only finished a floater. He wasn't really getting to any spots. You know, what's interesting about that with Ja and I, you know, a lot of people have talked about his struggles in the half court. He reminds me, and now he flipped this in the fourth quarter, but it reminded me tr- him trying to figure out this half court thing in these bigger games. It was that first year when Giannis was great, when he was like, I know I need, and you could kind of see his brain it was mm. almost like Terminator 2, just trying him trying to put the pieces together of the information he needed to be able to conquer the challenge. But he was kind of learning in real time on the fly in playoff games. And then it got to the point last year where he was able to solve that. I thought with Ja, his inst- he's like a running back. His instinct is just to be like, I'm just going to run through the hole and there's going to be daylight. And in the playoffs with these smarter teams with the continuity and you're playing teams over and over again, 
it's just harder to do that. They're used to all your moves. You're seeing them every 48 hours. But then he got, when he got that dunk, it was like he supercharged his athletic powers for the rest of the half. Yeah. It didn't matter anymore. He was just going through everybody. I don't know. It's, it's, who do I like? I don't know. Memphis, 27% transition rate. That's last game. That's so over a quarter of their possessions were transition. That's absurd. And this is like versus a team in Minnesota who wasn't even really like turning the ball over. I mean, they were turning the ball over a little bit. There was what they weren't like selling out on the offensive glass. I don't know. I'd, I would, I, I would find it very, very difficult for, I mean, I think the series is effectively over. It could go seven. By the way, these two teams in the game seven, anything could happen. Their home court advantage might be worth nothing with these guys in the game seven. This is like a pure, I mean, these guys, these, these two teams are just going at it like a couple, couple lunatics for the most part. I don't know. I, I, I think Memphis is a better team, obviously. I think, but I was asked this on, on, on the internet today. I was like, who's the, who's, who, forget about who the best player is overall, but who do you think the best player in the series has been? In Timberwolves Grizzlies? Yeah. I mean, like, most consistent is probably Bane. Yeah. Yeah. Bane. Or I don't think Edward. he's the best player, but I think Bane's been, Edwards certainly, for the fact that he's 20 years old, I think has been amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be, when you think like, Kobe getting thrown into those playoff series, those first two Lakers years, and especially the first year where he seemed completely overmatched. It was a little, slightly more comfortable the second year, but it really took the three years. For Edwards to be this advanced where they're running the game-ending play for him. That was an amazing play, by the way, that they ran. McLaughlin. With that cool pass. pass. Yeah. Yeah. That was really... McLaughlin's been really good this series. It's interesting. Like, not, not many people I agree. talk about him. He's, 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 for a little guy, he's very disruptive defensively. Um, and he just doesn't seem to, you know, need to force, or he doesn't force up any shots. Um, you know, whereas Russell's really, really kind of forcing it a little bit offensively every now and this, then. These playoffs are showing yet again, why you should never pay like 9 million a year for a point guard. That's not, you know, like a potential all-star. It just seems like every year you can find these guys. Alvarado, where did he come from? And, and it's like, he should be playing more. I, they yeah, keep falling in these habits where it's like, all right, I guess we'll play Alvarado. And then he's playing the whole last 18 minutes of the game. Yeah, he's he's been pretty disruptive for sure. That, they've, they've, yeah, they've, they've definitely found some defensive guys on that team. I've, him and Jones. Well, you must love Herb Jones. Yeah, I like Herb Jones. Our draft model actually likes Herb Jones as well. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, those guys always show up really, really well in the draft models because they're so impactful on the game. I mean, he was like, I think he was a defensive player of the year in his conference. He had like, a, you know, all, all those block, rebound, et cetera, stats in college translate well when they're wings. They just, if you're big, it doesn't really translate well always. But um, yeah, I definitely liked him for sure. He was he was a sleeper, sleeper late guy. But I like I always like those guys who are not great offensively, but are really, really good defensively. You're like, right? You love yeah. it. You right was your guy. Which guy? Um, Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I he's liked, having a moment right now. He, yeah. I mean, he's definitely having a moment. I don't know that he's necessarily. I mean, the moment's that, over. I don't, I don't know that we could. Having it. I don't know that we, what we, we could define what that moment is, but yeah. <laughs> he's he's at least look decent again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, when you buy an NBA team and, I, and you hire me as your GM, I just want like switchable well, athletes with size. Like, when you hire you, me as my, GM. Let's 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 not undersell you. You're going to be the president of basketball operations. Thank and, you. Yeah, yeah. When I'm the PBO, um, 
I just want switchable athletes. I'm just looking for Scotty Barnes over and over again in the draft. I just want, yeah. basically, I guess home what Masai decided on two years ago, where he's just like, I just want athletes switchable. Let's go. Yeah. Those are the home runs. They really are. Like you might nail a diminutive point guard here and there, but you really need the big guys who are going to, like, those are the ones that are going to take you to, you, know, you need the guys who can actually dominate a game on both ends or not even at both ends, but at least like be very, very physical offensively so that it's a problem to guard. Like, I don't know who, like, like Mikel Bridges is probably the best wing defender aside from Giannis. I think Giannis is the best wing defender in the league, but Mikel Bridges is the second, but like, even like a guy like Mikel Bridges, he'd struggle against a guy like Barnes a little bit just because he, the physicality part of it is tough to get into his body. Um, that's the thing that's changed with Tatum as he's kind of grown into his freak body that he has. Like, he's really strong. That Like, both, all of those guys, him, Brown, Smart, they're all, like, strong. And I think that Durant, and then you bring in, it's like, oh, here's Grant Williams, too. And it's just everybody's just kind of sturdy. You know, when you have, when you're athletic and sturdy at the same time and you can really body up these dudes, Durant, like that's when he struggled in the past. Like he's way back when Ron Artest, what mm. series was that? Like 2010, that was one that some of the stuff Golden State did to him in 2016. Remember he cratered those last three games. He was bad. He cratered the last three games? I don't the remember 2016, that. remember he was shooting like, okay. I think those last three games, he's probably like 38, 40%. Like he just mm -hmm. didn't play well. And Westbrook his, obviously his, wasn't open his, either. Um, his game is like, I don't know. Like I, I get that he's like anti-analytics. I get that he's like the most gifted scorer in the NBA. He just really doesn't do himself any favors by playing that style of basketball. Like it's, 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 he's so efficient at the long two. He's the mm. best in the league at it, like 55%, whatever. But that's like, that's, that's okay in the half court. If that's like, but if you're just pop, pop, pop if that's, but that's like your, you know, you're that's defense independent, great, whatever. But like this series, you know, they had like a 40% long two rate, 45. Like they had the third and fifth, I think, highest long two rate games uh, over the last two years. And in the Jesus. playoffs, I think that, yeah, it's just like you just can't really, you just can't, you can't fight the math that much. Like really the Celtics, Celtics are getting an open three more often than not. The net spacing was so bad. They were spending 15 to 16 seconds trying to get them the ball at the elbow. Celtics were doing a great job of pushing him further and further out. So it was no longer the elbow or a foot in the paint when he was getting his post touches. They were all the way out by the three-point line. They had cleared out that side to run empty for him. There was nobody pulling up towards the top. So it was like you could just double-team him with impunity. And yeah, he's going to get a fadeaway long two. And if he makes it, you're like, oh, unguardable. But like, if you were to ask the Celtics, they'd be like, yeah, take 30 of these a game. We'd love you to. You know, whereas and, you can just and, come down and, and just bang in a three every now and then hit a three or get to the rim because this, that's the thing. They weren't, I think that people don't realize like uh, this is a little anti Nets rant. I apologize for, but it was, it was so hilarious watching their offensive sets because people think like, okay, so Durant likes to take long twos. He likes to post up. Great. Okay. It was kind of like similar to the KP situation in Dallas. Like that's good. But you aren't, nobody else is ever getting to the rim when you do that. You understand that, right? Like when you're camped out there, we're never, ever getting a layup. No, then we're not breaking down the defense. We're not getting a wide open three. So it's like, yeah, it's efficient when he shoots the shot. But every other time he doesn't shoot the shot and he's just taking up space, you have an awful offense. Like they would get transition opportunities and he would run down and plant himself in the paint 
And because of that, his guys weren't get, like Mills isn't getting a layup now. And it yeah. turns into a long two because now the one guy who's back is just has to stand in the paint. And unless the guy, the ball handler stops the three point line and shoots, you're not getting a wide open three or a layup. So I don't know. End of rant there. I just think like a guy like that, who I actually really enjoy listening to him talk about the game of basketball because he's very smart. He's very thoughtful. He's obviously an amazing basketball player. I just think like, I wonder how much of it is just, I want to be anti nerd and not listen to some of the stuff. Like the math is undefeated in these situations. Like, you know, this, this, this idea that this is an analytics thing versus a jock thing. It really isn't that like last time I checked, this wasn't gymnastics, right? These guys didn't go out there and play for 48 minutes. Then a panel of judges voted on who wins the game. They keep score. So whoever's winning, there's math involved there. So why wouldn't you want to have the math work in your favor? Just a little bit more. Very tilting to watch, but also also great to watch because you could just be like, oh yeah, I can just blindly bet on the Celtics every game because they, they get it. This other team doesn't. And the other team happens to be the public team and everyone thinks they're going to win because they're more, you know, they have more stars. Because they have more famous players. Yeah. Well, ironically, Durant was in the right situation for all the stuff you just talked about, the 2017 Warriors. But he, the way they was, was moving for them. But it, yeah, but it, even there... It started it to go like, south as the years went on, but that first year, they had a lot of movement with him. Well, he, used to, he talked about it. Well, but I, I just to be clear, I'm not even advocating movement. I'm advocating having two guys spaced out above the break on the hash. Yeah, I got you. Extreme spacing. Like, you should never have more than one guy in the paint in a possession. And then, and the Nets frequently had two and three guys in the paint for an like. Well, the irony is if you put him in the corner, not only terrifying, but you have to account for the fact that if he has a sliver of time, he's making a 24 footer. I don't even know that I would necessarily put him in the corner. I would just, I would just make sure that I had him somewhere. I'm just saying to mix it up. Like to where you can attack and not, not in situations where you're just like, you know, you're happy to have him take the shot. Um, if you did a same game parlay, <laughs> which game do you like more tomorrow? Denver, Golden State, or Chicago, Milwaukee? Uh, I don't even, Chicago, Milwaukee doesn't even exist to me. That's how I feel about that series. That's like the least interesting series. Uh, okay. So to answer your question, probably Denver, Golden State. I don't know. Tomorrow's a pretty, I might just take the day off tomorrow and just not even watch basketball. Maybe. I don't know. That's a, so I didn't mean to ruin your question. Any, <laughs> anybody, anybody you're excited about? I'm trying to figure out a same game parlay for the Warriors. Oh, a same game parlay? Yeah, they have the same game parlays. You can have some fun. Throw some together. Try to you get the four to one odds. Minus twelve in the under. That wouldn't be the worst. Milwaukee twenty minus twelve in the under. Yeah, under minus two seventeen point five. That total, right. by the way, the total in that series started two thirty. That was yeah. game one was two hundred and thirty. That was probably the most absurd point total. Game two, I believe, was two twenty four and a half. It gone. It went down five points or two twenty five and a half. And then someone bet it down to two twenty four and a half. Every game has gone under, I believe. So um, you could do Bucks under, Giannis twenty points, Giannis ten rebounds, and you're getting plus. You want two, the rebounds for sure. Plus two seventy two. You want the for that you want four. the rebounds if you bet the under because then it's correlated to misses. Yeah, you don't necessarily want the points, although it could work in your favor. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta think about this like in like a card counter bill. You gotta think of every little edge. How can I squeeze out every little edge? So you, you like the unders with these playoff games. That's one of your favorites. I mean, I, when the point total is 230 and one team can't shoot. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) One team has no shooters on the floor. Like this, like Levine's like the only guy out there who's really can shoot half the time. Yeah. That seems like a decent play. 
Uh, last last question for you. Conference winners. These are on Fanduel. Celtics plus one eighty. They are now the favorites. Heater plus one ninety five. Even though they would have home court. Yeah, I like the Heat the Celtics with those odds. Those are very unfair odds to the. Well, you were the one. You were telling me years ago, don't bet future odds. Just bet series by series, game by game. And the Brooklyn yeah. series is a good example. Just yeah. bet the Celtics every game. You're doing way better than you would yeah. have. I had a friend who bet the Celtics to win the NBA championship at five and a half to one. I was just like, do you hate money? Like you could just bet them. <laughs> you could just bet them in the first series at like minus one thirty, then parlay that in the next series. And then you've got like two more series to go. Like, um, I don't know. Well, who do I, I think is going to come out of the East? I think, I think the winner of Milwaukee, Boston is the, is the winner of the East. I think that's, I agree. that's your series right there. Who do you like more Golden State or Phoenix? Assume Booker's Booker. back in two weeks. Um, I'd probably take Golden State. I'm there too because... I don't know. It's so hard because I know at the beginning you were like Phoenix was the team and they were... Well, that, but it was with an injury. Yeah. You know, and they had the injury and I don't trust hamstrings where they're like, yeah, he could be back in a week and then you come back and they're 80% the rest of the way and that could be that could be the difference in a series against Golden State. I do feel like Talked about this a little on Sunday with Priscilla. The Golden State defense. It's good. Well, I think you can score on them, though, if they play mm. the pool, Thompson, whatever, and you have to put 47 minutes on Draymond and all that stuff. I do think Phoenix could score on them. Yeah, Phoenix, I mean, Phoenix is going to score on anyone just because they've got surgical precision to their offense. Um, yeah, Phoenix is, Phoenix is good. I don't know, that, that series will be a lot of fun. I mean, Golden State just hasn't really been healthy ever. So, and now they are, they're like every other team now is suffering from some injuries. They're healthy. This series doesn't look like it's going to be that much of a toll on them. Um, I don't know. I actually think, I actually think Dallas versus Phoenix is an interesting series. Mm. Like people are sleeping on how good the Mavericks are. Like they picked up Bullock and that has completely, and then they hired an actual you know, defensive coach with, you know, with the great strength, like their defensive game plan is so simple, but so good. All the guys work really, really hard. Luca's a problem. I mean, the, the, if you look at the Phoenix series is going to be like, can they figure out a way to get the ball out of Chris Paul's hands at the end of the game? Because that's what's killed them every time they played Phoenix in the last two years. It's just been Chris Paul dicing them up in the last. And to be perfectly fair, I don't think the strategy was necessarily that great in, in years past. For yeah. that specific thing. And now I think that this, the current coaching staff has a much better handle on, on that. And the players, more importantly, are more engaged for whatever reason. So I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily cakewalk them to the, to the Western Conference Finals. I would cakewalk Golden State to the Conference Finals for sure. And so Over Memphis that, or Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine Minnesota trying to like guard Curry on all these like <laughs> cuts and stuff like that? I mean, that just that'd be very, very interesting. I, don't, I think I think Towns would have a lot of trouble. Plus, with Wiggins' on. revenge series—that might be the one series that wakes up Wiggins. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I, I, I don't. Know. Yeah. So I would I'm say, with you on Dallas because one of these years, Lucas. I've been predicting it for three years in a row, and I've been wrong the first two years, and I'm not even predicting it this year, but. Luca's so good. One of these years, he's just going to put together a couple of rounds and be like, he "Wow, did, Luca's in the Western like, Finals." He's like averaging over thirty points a game as a in the playoffs. Like, you know how absurd yeah. that is. It's People aren't talking about that enough. Like, he's just an absolute. He's like thirty nine and nine in the playoffs for his entire career. It's absurd. Yeah, playoffs. 
and and he played like you know the nut low worst matchup probably. The first, oh, the first year of the Lakers, yeah, the first year of the Lakers probably would have been a matchup where we had no chance against. Clippers were second worst last year. It was most definitely the Clippers. That's just a bad matchup for that. I mean, just drawing Stone dead versus that team, and still managed to go to seven. Right. All right, Bob. You can follow him on Twitter. Very entertaining. You've been a little lively, a little frisky on the Twitter these days. I don't know if the the Elon Musk buying Twitter is just. I feel yeah. I feel free now. Stuff. I feel, feel free now. Finally, yeah. finally free speech no is that Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't, don't have to care about how I'm perceived on Twitter. Yeah, it's definitely liberating. Good to see you. Come back. Uh, come back for the finals. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Unlike this podcast, some things in life should be boring, like banking, because boring is pragmatic and responsible, level-headed, wise, all the things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be exciting. Exciting is for three-point buzzer beaters, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money, because when your money is doing what you need it to, you can do all the unboring things you want to do with it. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., PNC Bank National Association. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax, knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, Van Lathan is here. You've heard him on this podcast. You've heard him on the Rewatchables. You've also heard him on the Ringerverse, where he's one of the co-hosts, as well as Higher Learning, where he's one of the co-hosts. Now, author. Author Van Lathan. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Fat, uh, crazy, and tired. Tales from the Trenches of Transformation in stores now. It's it's pretty pretty wild, man. Pretty wild to have written a book. You've been working on this ever since I got to know you, which I think it was like four years ago, whenever that right. Kanye thing happened and we started talking. Mm -hmm. um, so what got you over the hump? Because you were still working on this last summer. Uh, well, the book changed drastically, right? At first, the book was about, it's just the weird the way life goes. At first, the book was about sort of conquering all these demons mentally and physically, like my weight and my depression and all of that stuff. Yeah. And then the pandemic came and those things came back. So it, not just it's, for you, but for the country. <laughs> right. So then those things came back. I gained 30 pounds and I got depressed again. And something I've never really talked about is the fact that when the pandemic hit um, in 2020, I had just started with the ringer. Like just started, right? And we, me and Jamel, were doing the way down in a whole podcast. And shout out to everybody who wants a podcast for We Own This City, which I haven't even seen yet, but it just tells me that there's a lot of way down in the hole fans out there. And I remember, just so people know this, I remember actually 
hitting you and hitting Juliet and going, yo, I need like a week, a week and a half. Like, I can't do it. Like, just, I just, I'm too fried. Like, I need it. And you guys are going, okay. Like, just that simple. And that was important. It was important because during that time, that's the time that I was able to get on track with my therapy. I was able to sort of recenter and like kind of pull back a little bit, not having to be on the mic and going, ha, 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 whatever. You know what I mean? And so during that whole thing is when I really started to realize that I had to put my foot, the put during that time, I had to put my, um, my foot on the gas pedal with the book and kind of and get it out and talk to people about this because it was cathartic for me, you know? Do you feel like that became such a big topic of conversation in pandemic? It almost seems like a more normal idea than it did three years ago, right? Yeah, it kind of did. And it, it, and coping really, the book is kind of about coping and some really major things happened, you know, during the time that I was writing it, you know, I had to go back and write more. I lost my dad. You know, we've talked about that before. Uh, we, my company won the Academy Award. So you know, talked about that. Just uh, a lot of different things had happened in life that were testing the sort of mental and physical fortitude that I thought that I had. Um, you had to listen to Charles Holmes's takes every week? Every week. Baby that Chuck. tested your mental fortitude? Absolutely. You know what's crazy about that? People think that it's a chore. It's not. It's like, you know that crazy cousin that you have and you love him? <laughs> it's fun when he's at Thanksgiving. You understand him so much yeah. so. How about this? So much so that you sick him on people. <laughs> you know what I mean? That everybody will be around and you'll be like, hey, 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 cousin Jimmy, tell them what you think about Martin Luther King. Go ahead and tell them. Tell them. Watch this. And so, and so that's, Charles is literally yeah. one of the smartest people I've ever known. And nothing that he says the, the fr- nothing that he says isn't well-informed. So I just, I, I learn what people hold sacred and yeah. then I send Charles in to destroy it for them. <laughs> uh, book came out. Are you on the media tour? I am What's on the going media on? tour. Yeah, I'm on the media tour right now. Breakfast Club. Um, I got, Breakfast Club. Yeah, Breakfast Club tomorrow. Shout out to Charlamagne and God. I got DJ Academics off the record podcast. So let's see if I get canceled tonight. Sway in the mm. morning I got... Um, Kimmel in May and then like uh, you know just the big boy shout out to big boy shout out to radio shout out to the Stacks podcast no cap podcast uh, Chicago King David out there in Chicago I talked to him about it Um, so yeah just doing as much as I can but not trying to oversaturate it just not trying to be everywhere at once like hey buy my book just trying to be in nice spaces with good people to talk about it you know I like that you feel like it wasn't oversaturated, but you just listed 13 shows in 10 seconds. But you know, I'm glad you think it's not oversaturated. You didn't even mention this podcast. <laughs> Bill, I'm on this podcast. Yeah. yeah so, and, sure. and by the and by the I'm on this podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously I didn't think that I would have to name this podcast because I'm on this podcast. This is one of my biggest looks, man. Sean gave me a look. Sean, I don't know if you heard me on the big picture with Sean. Uh, I've and, if, if you heard that, I have a new nemesis here at the Ringer. I heard it was uh, Rob Mahoney, right? Mm, Who knew Rob adversary. Mahoney? He comes on here sometimes, just has nice, normal, concise, good basketball takes, but has this whole crazy pop culture side to him. He's he's so good, and it it makes me I wanna I wanna I wanna Batman Joker that fucking situation right there. I want to be to, the Joker. We need to get him Batman. on, or maybe the three of us on a rewatchables, and that could just. 
unleash the two of you against each other. Um, let's talk basketball. Congrats on the book. Go buy the book. Do it. Back crazy think and tired. Of, think yeah. of all the free content Van gave you over the last two plus years. Wire podcast, <laughs> two other feeds, a bunch of great rewatchables podcasts. Just anyway, go get it. There you go. Just, Just go, go get, get the book. Um, yeah. Sad as Charlemagne for me. Um, okay. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Yes. The Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Katie just can't quit Kyrie. Right. He just can't. I don't think he's gonna. This is just a deep friendship. This is Andy and Red and Shawshank. This is Forrest and Lieutenant Dan. It's just there's a loyalty here that I do not fully understand. So who's, get the, it. who's the white guy in these situations? Because you've named two black white friendships. So you went interracial. So well, Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan were white guys. Oh, Lieutenant Dan. When you, yeah. when you said Lieutenant no, Dan. No, not Bubba Gump. No, so not, why would you Bubba put, Gump would have been insulting. But why, why would you? I would think that Forrest and Bubba are better friends than Forrest and Lieutenant Dan. No. I don't know why I thought Bubba. Forrest and Bubba were in the, they were in the woods together for a couple months. Lieutenant Dan put on fucking metal legs and came back for Forrest's wedding. These are the same things with his they nice wife. Space shuttle out of. Um, yeah, they spent all that time in that boat talking about life. They were much better friends than Bubba Gump. I, I guess it's interesting one. Um, so look, yeah, he just can't quit him. You know, it's interesting. I think that. Uh, I think that Kyrie is Kevin Durant's Charles Holmes. <laughs> I think I think Kevin Durant likes the way Kyrie fucks with people. Yeah. He understands the fact that Kyrie, I don't think it has anything to do with basketball because basketball-wise, those are, Kevin Durant can play any style of basketball. He can ISO you. He can play off the ball, mid-post, shoot it deep. He's such an offensive weapon that really on the court, um, he's obviously not a traditional back-to-the-basket seven-footer, but on the court, he can pretty much do anything. Unless it's Still, against the Celtics. You know, you go ahead, go ahead. Well, I'm and just saying. The and they did shut him down a, for being, four straight games. You're being such. Come here, also, you Bill, Bill. You're being such a little shit about this, man. Ah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, people are acting like I can't believe the Nets lost, and it's like, how about the fact that the Celtics were really good and way better than them, and even the Nets and Kyrie and KD after the game were like, that team was better than us. Yeah, KD said they had the best defense in the league. I know. So this is the thing. And I'll get back to my take on Kyrie. No, go, and, go back to your take. I, we okay, got to finish okay. the take. Then we can talk okay, about Okay, so the take, the take is this. So I actually think that what endears, um, I think Kevin Durant has played with the guys that everybody's loved. He's been on the beloved team. Yeah. He's been on the team with the guy with the thousand megawatt smile. And this is not me speaking for Kevin. Um, I, I haven't spoken to him about this. I haven't talked to anybody about this. He's been on the team with the guy with the with the thousand megawatt smile. He's been on the team where, you know, it's Mr. Love Everybody. I think he has a certain view of basketball. Him and Kyrie Irving uh, both are pure ho- hoopers at heart. And I think he likes sort of being the bad boy of this thing. He likes being the guy who is almost the basketball anti-hero. And I don't think there's a better cohort to have in that situation than Kyrie Irving, you know? I think your Hooper at heart thing is the is the gist of this. Cause he's he's said that. He's talked on the record about before they became teammates, including on this podcast, about how much he appreciated the the TLC that Kyrie put into his offensive game in the in the craft itself. And I think that's what he really responds to is the craft. So I think that's how they became friends. I think they're both weird guys. Sometimes weird guys click together. 
And next thing you know, they're playing together. But I do feel like there's a piece of this where you almost think of this like this is your friend who was in the nine-year relationship with the girl from high school. That was OKC. And at some point in year five, year six, maybe the Harden trade was the impetus where it's like, yeah, break up with her. No, no, no. And super loyal. And then by about year eight, it's like, I need to break up with her. Yeah. I, need a new, I need a new somebody. And then Golden State became this girlfriend that was unattainable or just this new world. And they're going places. They're doing things you never did with the old girlfriend. It was really exciting for like a year. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't as exciting anymore for whatever reason. And then he starts gravitating toward this other, this other person. <laughs> and he like can't resist it. And this is like, this is my guy, Kyrie. Like over here, I have Curry and Draymond and Steve Kerr and a team that spends $200 million and has won three titles in four years. Right. Or this guy. And then you throw in the New York thing and you stay start having these late night calls. This is just my theory, by the way. I don't know if I'm right. They're on the phone. They're on the phone at three in the morning. Pretty well developed here. I like it. Keep going. Thank you. They're mm -hmm. on the phone at three in the morning. Be like, yeah, we could run New York. Yeah. Could be our place. <laughs> LeBron's got LA and Steph's got the Bay. We'll run New York. Yeah, let's do it. And then Brooklyn's obviously wants them. Right. And they're like, well, if we come there, you guys got to put us in charge of stuff. Cool. Great. Done. You got to sign our friend DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> 10 million a year for three years. All right, done. All right. That's a wrap. Not sure about the coach. We'll feel him out for a year. Okay, good. Anything else? Like, no, court sides. Take some court sides. Great. Mm -hmm. Done. Mm -hmm. And then they're in. And he's in a much better situation. He's like, I played this perfectly, but doesn't realize that he, now he's stuck with Kyrie and he doesn't really have any full idea what it, what Kyrie is like to just work with week to week, year to year. And now he's in complete denial about it, it seems like. So that was the worst HBO pilot pitch I've ever just heard. Ballers, Thank you. basketball edition. No. Thank oh, you. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> look, so I, I don't know. Ballers too. Ballers too. Basketball. Actually, if that actually, when I think about it, it wouldn't be that bad of an HBO show uh, to do that exact same thing. Um, so this is, I don't know how much of that is is the actual story. It obviously could be the story. I think the real story is about the complicated way that people have to craft their legacy nowadays, right? Yeah. It's not enough to just be a great basketball player anymore. You have to be the defining basketball player of your generation. This is the legacy handed down from Michael Jordan. So because that's what's expected of every single person, right? You have to change the game and be singular in some way. Just being a part of a winning formula isn't enough. You keep hearing people say that Kevin Durant, go win a real ring, go win a real ring. You know what I mean? Like is Clyde is Clyde Drexler thought of in that way? You know, are are there other players? are to be honest with you to your uh are Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett thought of in that way you know um, right well with that we I didn't mention the piece this wasn't didn't work for my girlfriend analogy but the no it's been mentioned a million times in this podcast but it was he realized eventually that was Steph Curry's team and that was never going to be Kevin Durant's team and he wanted his own team it's not his Steph own Curry's city team. and the whole thing it's, yeah, it's Steph Curry's city. It's Steph right. Curry's franchise. But the thing is, like nowadays, you have to have that. It has to be yours. It's a, it's a. We're we're living in this weird, 
you know, dominated by guys like Elon Musk and whomever with this weird sort of and, and all the ways that we've gotten all of this progress that people uh, ballyhoo about. We've also we're living in this real alpha male society, this this phase to where everything that happens good, it has to happen because of you or it doesn't matter that it happened. Right. So the mm. question is not that we won a championship. The question is because of who did this championship get won? That's the thing. And if yeah. people say if people can't look at it and say, hey, you're the reason why this is happening, you're the reason why this is going on, then it almost doesn't matter as much. People is taking Scott shots at Scottie Pippen's legacy, one of the greatest wing defenders of all time, an integral part of six yeah. championships and saying, well, it's not because of you that they won. Well, if I'm Scottie Pippen, I'm like, well, bullshit. It's not in spite of me that they won. Like there well, was a KD got that with Barkley. We got the, the bus thing that Barkley said. Precisely. You either so drive like, the bus or you're on the bus. And that he was very wary of all that stuff. And as much as I love Charles, you didn't have a bus pass, dog. Like you never, like you never got there. You got to the finals, and Charles is it, it's like it's just it's a weird criticism. And I'm I'm glad that, that KD actually came back. It's a weird criticism coming from somebody who at the end of his career was like, yo, I need to go get one. And they all do that. The Carl Malones of the world do that. The Gary Paytons of the world. You don't want to have played 15, 16, 17 years in the league and not had the feeling of raising that trophy and being one of the best of the best in the world. So I get it. But, you know, all of this stuff to the side, then Kyrie's situation was almost about freedom, it seemed like. He wanted to go to a place to where he could make his own expectations. He didn't have to be the number one guy on the team. He just wanted to be free of LeBron. He wanted to be free of the tradition in Boston. He wanted to be, he wanted the right to be peculiar, it seemed like, and to be in an organization to where uh, none of those things, there was nobody that was going to make him do anything or there was no expectations of him. Sounds, Sounds like a great challenge. (laughs) <laughs> kind of what he got, you know? And obviously what happened with Brooklyn this year was a disaster, but are you are you willing to say right now that the Nets will never contend? These guys are still young enough to come back and run it back and still be contenders. Are you willing to say right now that that team will never contend? I, I'm out on Kyrie completely. You're out on Kyrie. He's 30 years old. I think he is who he is. You go back through his last couple seasons, he's like 20 in the playoffs. Talking going back... 2018 playoffs on, injured in two of them. The other three is like 22 and five, 43% shooting. He's an Kid NBA doesn't guard champion. anybody. Did you see him play defense yesterday? He's, the, he's an NBA champion with the filthiest yeah, bag of all time. I get it. That was time. six years ago. So Richard Jefferson was a champion that year too. He's a broadcaster now. Like, no, I mean, honestly. For no reason, just a stray. I mean, that that wasn't a stray in Richard Jefferson. He's retired. <laughs> it was six years right. ago. Right. All the guys on that team, half of them aren't even in the league anymore. Like, you like to say, like, well, Kyrie's a champion. Like, great. It was 2016. Trump wasn't even the president yet in 2016. It's a lifetime yeah. ago. So I think you're taking a guard who's not reliable, who's been hurt a bunch, who puts himself over the team pretty much all the time. And um, actual playoff production, a minus defender, and maybe not as good offensively as people seem to think because Celtics sure shut his ass down for the last three games. Celtics definitely shut him down. It's Ramadan. There were a lot of things going on. It was Ramadan for Jalen Brown, too. I, like, like, fair enough. But what I would say is, you know, you can scheme any player. You can scheme, you can scheme for any player. You can devise an offensive, a defensive strategy for any player. These Celtics are better than the Nets. And I think, I think 
this is another one of those perception series to where we're talking more about the failure of Kyrie and Kevin Durant and not so much about the absolutely brilliant, not star-making, legacy-almost-making turn that Jason Tatum had during this entire run. We did like, that on we did this on Sunday's pod. I was so mad that everyone's concentrated on Brooklyn and and nobody's noticing what's going on with the Celtics, which is like, I think Tatum is now one of the best five guys in the league. That was not the case two weeks ago, but he has to be on the list now. It's and it, look, and it's one thing to be, it's one thing to be. And, you know, people might not agree with this. It's one thing to be an ace defender and a force on offense when you're a rim protector, right? Yeah. When you're a rim protector and, you know, they're funneling guys into you and you're throwing shots. That can be. Right, when you're a rim protector. When you're to ball up somebody and then have to chase around Kevin Durant, I don't know that there's a tougher job. Like, I don't it's the understand. Kawhi thing. It's basically it, he's he's absolutely what Kawhi did in his peak. Tatum did in that series. It's the it like it's. I don't know if there's a tougher job. So, I mean, the Nets. If the Nets have if the if the excuse me if the Celtics get any lesser version of Tatum, any lesser version, five percent less Tatum, they lose. You felt it when he fouled out yesterday. Yeah, it was like oh shit! All of a sudden, it was a lot easier to get shots because now we don't have the smart Jalen Tatum. The threesome. Here's two plays that define Kyrie to me. <laughs> One is end of the quarter right. and, a, and a halftime, I think. And Grant Williams just gets the wide open three in the corner. And Stan Van Cundy, the announcers ra- very rarely will criticize players or coaches. Though if they do it, it'll be all like coded or they'll like have fun with it. In Van Gundy, you could just hear him. He was like, uh, I, I, I just don't know what Kyrie Irving was doing on that play. Because he basically just left this guy alone who's like one of the five best corner three-point shooters in the league. Just left him wide open. But the biggest one to me, and this is what I'd be really worried about if I was a Nets fan, I'm trying to talk myself into this situation being better. We just need more reps and we just get a couple more wings and we have a more, if we're not so small, all that stuff. Celts are up two. Durant misses the free throw. Marcus Smart, my guy, the ultimate no, no, yes guy I think I've ever rooted for. Instead of pulling it back and getting fouled, he has a two-on-one and decides to go to the basket. And as he's doing it, because I've been watching the guy for eight years, I'm like, he's going to fucking go to the basket. I'm going to have a heart attack right now. Goes to the basket, misses the layup. Horford follow. Horford comes running in for the follow. Guess who's sitting there with a bird's eye view of the whole thing? Kyrie Irving. Does he box out? No. Is he... Involved in the play? Not at all. He's just watching Horford go right by him, get the rebound. Doesn't think that, to me, that's like his post-LeBron career in a nutshell. And the fact is he left LeBron. Okay. I have my buddy Hench. My buddy Hench is obsessed with this. He's like, since Kyrie filed for divorce from the second greatest player of all time, just go go through the five years. Missed the playoffs in 18. Out. uh, Basically quit on the Celtics in 19. Out in 2020. Hurt last year, this year swept because you want to play with LeBron anymore. I just want you to remember that you're on record saying the Nets will never contend. No, I'm saying contend the way people seem to think. I think people are shocked they didn't win the title. Well, I mean, look. So th- this is what I'd say about that. Number one, all of this, he was sublime in Game One and almost single handedly won the game for them. Yeah, so, he was. He was absolutely bonkers so we're we're so we're 
and then we're for, we're forgetting. And then stop trying. Sorry, like we're forgetting that. So he almost won the game for them single handedly, and the series might have very well been different had the Celts not drawn up an incredible play and had an uh, well, I, I don't know if it was so much they drew it up, but well, that was ad libbed an incredible ad libbed ad libbed yeah. an incredible play, and you know Tatum makes a great shot at the buzzer, so. We can't say that Kyrie wasn't a factor at all. As a matter of fact, he basically almost won them a game. And to be honest with you, a, a lot of that has to do with the way that they they drew up a great scheme for Durant as well. There's coaching involved in this. Like, if we want to look at the game and say, okay, they lost because Irving and Durant couldn't get it done, well, then that, to me, goes back to the reason that people thought that they were going to win. There's a, a tendency... No, the, the, the Celtics should get way more credit in the whole thing. I felt that when I was there for game one, all they wanted to do is beat the shit out of Durant the whole game. Right. That's so the all they cared about. So the tendency for people was to look at the uh, at the series and go, okay, there's two top 75 guys right there. Yeah. They're still close enough to their primes or at least in their intellectual basketball primes that it's going to be difficult to beat a team that has Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It's a lot of offense. A lot of people think that the team actually worked. Some people thought that the team worked better with just Kyrie and Kevin and not even having um, a James Harden there, right? That there would be an easier team to space in my Defensively, he made them even worse and they were an abomination. Right. Ben, ben, never, ben never saw the court, but people were still saying, hey, it's going to be tough for the Celtics to beat them. The Celtics, <laughs> didn't give a fuck about that. The right. Celtics had a formula. The Celtics had a game plan. The Celtics, not one second in that series and I noticed it in game one. Even as Kyrie was going to b- bananas, I'm looking, I'm like, they don't think they're going to lose this game. Yeah. Like, they, like they're like they looking at him and they're going, oh, yeah, okay, he's getting his. They're, he's scoring. They're coming right down on the other end, getting into their offense. They're making sure to, I, to, 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 to keep Durant out of the offense. And it's like, Leo, if Kyrie's going to be us tonight, Kyrie's going to be us tonight. And, you know, he kind of shot his wall for the whole series. But I think... A lot of people looked at that and they kind of looked at the glitz and the glamour of the car itself and they weren't really checking. That's what, what we do with engine. basketball, though. That's what they, we do with people basketball. People think about it like a fantasy team. They always yeah. underrate defense. Even somebody like Herb Jones on the Pelicans, who I love. Right. But that it's just his, what he does is never going to be as sexy or as interesting to people as somebody like Donovan Mitchell who just puts up points. But see, the thing about the Herb Jones thing is that you can only see it until you see it, right? So that's what the playoffs are made for. The, you're never going to be watching a, a league pass game in fucking January or, and, 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 or even like in November and go, wow, look at this Herb Jones kid. When that kid, when, when that kid shows up, he shows up when he's guarding Chris Paul. I have tweets from November, floor, but that's fine. <laughs> on his, I tweeted on, about Herb Jones in November. Just on, on his home right. floor. I'm normal people, the, you're right. Normal yeah, people, you're right. Normal people, like on his home not scouts floor. Not like myself. Not, yeah, not highly not highly trained professionals. Yeah. yeah, right there. Not the yeah. author of the best-selling book of basketball. Yeah, you know. You know, like, and then you, I get you, know, it. you look at this guy up against Chris Paul, and as good as as good a defense as he played against Paul, the thing that I love about Herb Jones, just being where I'm from, is Chris Paul comes down, he gives the him best. a shove. Yeah. He turns around, he looks at the ref. He goes, oh, this how we living? Bet. Turns around and puts Chris Paul on his ass. Motherfucker, you are in a basketball game. And it could be a fight if you want it to be. You're in a basketball game. You're not about the little brother me. 
He turned around, looked dead at the ref. Oh, we it's like that? Bet. Bet. How about when he wouldn't shake? He wouldn't let him help him up. Yeah, I dare you to call it. I'm about to flatten this little dude. Yeah. He's he's like, he's right there. They about to be shout out to New Orleans. They about to be a tough out for the Suns who You might get on the bandwagon. I can feel it. Never happening. You who's your basketball team? The Lakers. Oh, that's terrible. We should just resign that. (laughs) Why? You deserve winning time. You deserve the (laughs) mischaracterization of Jerry West. Can I I tell you something about winning time last night? Yeah. So Jerry West is mad about winning time. He really is. He's upset. He's he's very upset. The person that should be mad, the people that should be mad is Dr. Buss's family. There was literally the most disgusting scene I've ever seen on... Did, did you see the scene where Dr. Buss is talking to the nurse and he is going to put the nurse, he's going to put the nurse's son through college or whatever? He's being yeah. super altruistic. Then at the end of the episode, he's, he's, he's he motorboats talk, her. He motorboats her after talking about the fact that his mom is sick. Kalika literally said, like when watching that, she goes, fucking disgusting. It was the most off-putting scene I've seen in a long time. Well, don't you think that was intentionally off-putting? It sh- it was, but Jesus Christ, I, they, they're they're making it seem as if so so you know I guess and maybe this is true about Doctor Bus. I never knew the man, but they saying that Jerry West has a fucking anger problem. They're making fucking Doctor Bus look like the lecherous, worst sort of like nymphomaniac guy that's ever lived. It's really hard to watch sometimes. Well, I mean, he did have photo album with all the Polaroids of people he had sex with. That's when you know you've had a lot of sex with people. <laughs> it's true. It's like, hey, you want to see my album? Polaroids. Um, Polaroids makes it nastier too. Like, eight, I eight, have eight, a shit. Twitter Elon Musk question for you. Let's do it. Some people are very upset about this. Right. I see all the reasons. Mm-hmm. My thing is, if Twitter is a cesspool and we all agree it's an awful place, which I think we all agree, yeah. it's like a place, it's like cigarettes. You don't want to have one, but you end up going there. How can anyone make that place worse? Now, people say, well, I hear there'll be more hate speech, there'll be all this stuff. It's like, Twitter's already awful. Like, maybe a fresh set of eyes, a guy who's been an incredibly successful businessman, it, are, we, are we sure it's going to be Awful? Are we a hundred percent sure that Twitter will not be better three years from now, or do you think it somehow gets worse? I don't know. I don't know how it could get worse. Because um, I don't I'm think sh- it can get worse. I'm sure that there's something that could, I'm sure it could get worse. I'm sure that there are things. You know, maybe the return of President Trump or something like that could make it worse. But I'll just be blocking and muting him anyway. Uh, <clears throat> so it wouldn't get worse for me necessarily. Um, I think this is this just once again has to do with human nature. If we go if we go to a steak restaurant right now, and uh, you get a steak and I get a steak and we eat the steaks and we both get sick from them, right? Oh, something was wrong with the steak, right? Mm. If if you we see footage of somebody dragging the steak on the ground and then bringing it to us, now we're mad. Now we're mad. Like now, like 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 now, we're mad. Now we look at the steak, and people are what people are what people don't want to do is they know Twitter is a sick steak. They know that it's tainted meat. They know it because we've seen too many people. We've seen people get doxxed on Twitter, canceled on Twitter. They know that it's steak, but they don't want to know for sure, right? 
they don't want to they don't want to see it get and that's what kind of what Elon Musk is for a lot of people. Elon Musk is the proof that this place cuz if they have all of these negative opinions about Elon, now they know. Now they can't eat their steak in peace and just get sick later, which is what we do in society all the time. Mm. Now they have now it's there and they have to deal with the fact that they know that it's tainted every time they're on it. And now of course what you do for that is you virtue signal. I don't think that I care that much about Elon Musk having Twitter. I think if you start following corporate interests all the way to the top, you're going to probably find some pretty unseemly people. You know what I mean? Or people that just have to make business decisions and business decisions aren't always nice to the little common man. So I, I don't like I, I get people's uh, frustration and and, uh, and and being upset about it. It didn't really move me that much. I'll be honest with you. I thought Twitter needed a fresh set of eyes. Whether those eyes should have been belong to Elon Musk, I don't, I don't know. I'd probably say no. What the fuck can he do? Well, why would why would why would he's he not going to make what, it worse? What, yeah, I mean, but what he going like? I, you know, it's like the only thing I don't like is the if I have an issue with Elon Musk is you know rich guy gets richer. He's a visionary. He's this. He's that. Whatever. I don't I don't understand the dick riding. The dick riding is what bothers me. So Clubhouse was cool until Elon Musk came on, right? Yeah. When we were all fucking with Clubhouse, now Clubhouse is just to discuss LA gang politics. But like that but 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 club but but Clubhouse was cool until Elon Musk got on. Mm. When Elon Musk got on Club, the fucking nut hugging, the nut hugging that happened when people were like, why? He whatever it is, you're not gonna get the secrets of the universe from Elon Musk on Clubhouse. So the only thing that bothers me about guys like that is I see people become the most sycophantic sort of just half bitch made ass, and I just hate it. Get off his dick. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that bothers me about a guy like that. Nothing else. Just yeah, he's like just like let your hero be somebody that separated some conjoined twins. Or fucking went to <laughs> Afghanistan and <laughs> like saved or all convinced, the super people. Or convinced Kyrie Irving to play defense. Um, <laughs> Whatever. All right. Well, that should be the title of your second book. Get off his dick. <laughs> the follow-up to the New York Times bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> These chapters about book. somebody who could get, get off this guy's. It'd be like 15 people. Get 15 off 15 people. Let me tell you why. You need to get off his dick and get a life. Stop brown nosing. Like yeah. 15. I'm, I'm Actually, Bill, I'm going to write that proposal tonight. That's good. All right, Van, tell, say the name of your book again. Uh, Fat, Crazy, and Tired, Tales from the Trenches of Transformation. It is about a young man from Louisiana who realized that he had to unlearn some of the most beautiful things about his culture in order to be a healthier, happier person. And I hope that it touches you. It's dedicated to my father, and I hope that it made him proud. There you go. Good to see you, Van. Good to see you as always, man. All right, that's it for the podcast. As always, produced by Kyle Creighton. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey as well. Back on this feed on Thursday night. And don't forget, check out the rewatchables, the League of Their Own, and check out the Prestige TV podcast, where if you like the show, Barry, Sean Fantasy, and Bill Hader recap the first episode, I'm going to be on there doing probably winning time a little bit later this week as well. See you on here on Thursday.